Hey guys, welcome to The Real Shit with Britt and Wit. This is Whitney. And this is Britt. Britt, who do we have on today? Okay, we are really excited. So we're continuing our infertility series and we have a really special guest named Sarah. She is from the Stepping Forward podcast and she also has Step Up Mentoring where she does coaching and she is incredible. I absolutely adore her, especially being in a blended step-parent situation. Yeah. Um, she helps me a ton feel normal and not alone. <laughs> So Sarah, let's introduce you and um, please tell our listeners about your podcast, first of all, and then your mentoring so that they can know kind of where you're coming from. Awesome. Thank you girls so much. I'm so excited to be here. I love listening to your podcast, how real you are about everything. And I apologize. I have a hard time with the words sometimes. So um, our podcast is called Stepping Forward Podcast and I co-host that with Rachel I'm Rawlinson. We both work in education, but we're also both stepmoms and saw the need for like help for stepmoms because it's hard work, right? You guys know yes. blended family stuff. Yeah. So um, we started that, oh gosh, I'm bad with time, eight months ago or so, somewhere around there. And um, it's been really fun so far. And we get to talk a lot about a lot of step parenting things and co-parenting things and all the fun things. And then I also coach stepmoms. Um, and I help them have more joy in their lives. And I find that I especially relate, like we're talking about infertility, to stepmoms who don't have kids of their own. Um, because stepmoms who have kids of their own, they have a different role with their stepkids. And so I really like that niche and also like being able to help them find happiness because it's really stressful. See, and that's why I really, I'm so excited to have you on today because I think I, I fit into that role of the stepmom, but who has my own biological children. Mm -hmm. And so I really don't understand the different dynamic there. And I'm, and I, and I'm so intrigued by, because it's hard enough to do the step parenting game. I mean, even for my husband being a stepdad, it's difficult. It's never easy, you know, in a lot of situations, but to not have your own biological, um, I think that's something that people really don't step back and think about a lot what that would really yeah, entail ex so. exactly yeah that is definitely a different dynamic for sure so sarah before we get we dive into your story tell everyone out there where can they find your mentoring and coaching in case they want to go that route i am the most active on facebook i have a website um but it's not my favorite so facebook is the best way my last name is susad s-u-s-o-v so if you just search for Sarah Susad, you can find my page or you can find my group Step Up Mentoring. Perfect. And we will actually put that in our description for this episode and on all of our social media pages so that um, people can find you out there as well. So thank you for sharing that. And I think it's great what you do. I really do. So um, let's dive in. Yeah. Tell us about your story. Let's start from okay. the beginning and let's just, <laughs> let's just dive in. Let's do this. Well, my dad fell in love with my mom. So I met my husband. It took us a couple of years of dating and we, I was almost 31 when I got married. I had the two stepdaughters. They were four and six when I was married or got married to my husband. And for a couple of years, I just wanted like time to adjust, time to think, um, what are we going to do? What like, what do I want to do with my life? I'm married now. This is totally different. Being a step parent is different. I'm an introvert. I say that all the time. And I just need time like, to myself. And so having them with us and have, getting used to marriage was enough for a couple of years. Um, but I had always wanted to go to graduate school too. And I ended up doing that. I'm a full-time school psychologist. 
um, which is just a party in the middle school, lots of funny motions. <laughs> but I wanted to go to grad school. So I did that. Um, and that was when I was 33, I started. And so I didn't have enough time to think about like, oh, I really want to have kids now. And I think I could manage graduate school with kids in a demanding program at a demanding university. <laughs> um, so I didn't, you know, for the first year and a half, I was like, no, nah, it's not going to happen. And then I started thinking, hey, maybe during my internship, I could do it. So I was about 35 at that point in time. And um, for whatever reason, I'd been diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. And for whatever reason, my doctor sent me super quickly to the fertility specialist. And they just were like, okay, you've been trying for, I don't know, three months or something. Um, at your age, we want to get you in quickly. So they sent me to a fertility specialist really quickly. And we ended up working with them for about a year. And they put me on letrozole, which is a drug for breast cancer, but also helps induce ovulation. And um, we tried, like, I didn't do a lot of the injections and stuff that a lot of people do to help induce it. I just took a pill a few times a month. And I did four intrauterine inseminations, which were unsuccessful um, at that point in time. We kind of had a decision to make of what's the next step? And it was IVF for us, but IVF was completely unaffordable. It was twelve to $14,000 at the clinic where we went. And wow. I didn't know. I know there now that there are opportunities and like things that are funding for IVF. But at the time it was like, well, you can apply for a grant. But where my husband and I both worked, we would make too much money for that. So um, while I was going through this, my stepdaughter's mom is <laughs> super fertile. If her husband looked at her, she would get pregnant. And so she was pregnant and she has had three kids kids since then so she was pregnant and then I think it was on her second pregnancy on Mother's Day I found out she was pregnant and it was while we were going through all the fertility treatments and nothing was working and I I felt like shit about myself mm. because that's like when I was raised it was LDS and that was kind of your purpose you know you're supposed to be a mom and yeah, that's your, like the highest and holiest thing you can, exactly. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. But, uh, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I just was so like upset that this thing that I wanted so much came so easily to other people. And at the same time, being a school psychologist, I see parents who really struggle too and who don't have good resources and who don't have good help and who struggle to be good parents and take care of their kids. And it forced me up against a few beliefs that I had, which ended up being a really good thing. So I don't know if you want me to go into that yet. Do you have okay. No, we're like, let's go back. We got to go back. Okay. We got to go back for a minute. I love Sounds that you good. give everyone the nutshell because that's the kind of person I'm like, give it to me all. Then we're uh -huh. going to go back and dissect <laughs> <Yeah>. it. Perfect. <laughs> My first question, okay, is to the beginning when you met your husband and he had two, uh, two girls already, right? Yep. girls. And so how is that? Were you just like, Oh, cool. I can do this. This doesn't scare yeah, me. You're just stepping into the role of motherhood like, yeah. right off the bat. So clueless, like no idea what to expect. <laughs> well, and I asked that because really, you know, I did go that different route where I just was more of the, you know, idiot that didn't finish school <laughs> first and just started mm -hmm. popping out babies way too young. <laughs> And I mean, really, like, of course, I'm super grateful and I don't, I wouldn't take my journey back, but I, there are parts of you that kind of go, oh, you know, maybe should have finished school and uh -huh. done, maybe done that route. So for me to kind of see someone coming in as just an instant mom in that situation, how are your feelings with that? 
it was complicated. So as a transition, it was difficult because I loved my husband and I loved his girls. They were so cute and so sweet and so nice. And one of them just walked by and waved. <laughs> but they, they were so great when I first met him. I just, I loved him so much and I just wanted him around and wanted more time with them. But at the same time, it was really complicated because I was trying to build a relationship with my husband too. And so that made it harder. Were you guys pretty full-time? No. Parents? We or? were the non-custodial parent. Okay. Okay. But yeah, balancing that dynamic of still getting the relationship with your husband versus trying to be this new mom that you guys didn't really create that from day one together. It, it's right. got to be such a different, you know, just emotion for sure. So, okay, going from there. So you're stepmama and... Let's I mean, go. when you finally decide, okay, I'm ready. We're, let Let's try to have a kid together. Mm-hmm. Tell the girls was that just let's let's not tell anyone. Let's kind of just keep it to ourselves. I mean, you were still in school, so that's right a lot to take on when you're in school and step parenting and have a husband and yeah, was it kind of like an out there thing like, Oh, now we're going to try having a baby or did you and your husband <laughs> kind of that just, you know, on a more of a personal level. And if it happens, it happens. Or were you guys like, okay, we're, we want to have a baby. Was it like a thing? Cause some, there are different people out there. Oh yeah. You know, some people are like, it's time we're ready. You know? Uh huh. Okay. So first I don't think we told the girls right away when we started trying um, I don't think it was kind of like, hey, how would you feel about this? Because I think at that point, they already had another sibling at their mom's house and they were okay with it and they were excited about it. Um, so we were like, okay, it's going to be fine. They're going to be fine. But I was always worried that I would love them less if I had my own kids. Mm, so I, that was another thing that played into our decision. Um, and then the next question, I forgot if I get more than two questions <laughs> once I get lost. <laughs> You know what, Sarah? My husband says the same thing. He's like, you always ask me multiple questions. I don't know which one am I supposed to answer? Um, no, I just, I, I think more, no, you answered it great. I more wanted to know just if you, it was like a announced sort of thing to, you know, the kids and everybody, okay. or if, if you guys just thought, well, let's just go for this. And if it happens, great. We'll do it. So no, your answer was actually okay. perfect. Did I ask oh. another question? Oh. And that was kind of the planning part a little bit, right? <laughs> So when like the planning part a little bit, like yeah. did we plan for it to happen or we just kind of like if it happens, it happens. At yeah. the point where we started trying, we were trying. We were like, we do want this and this is what we're going for. Okay. So when were you diagnosed with PCOS? Did you know you had it before? Gosh. Girls, I suck at time stuff. I'm so sorry for remembering things. I'm like, uh, maybe? <laughs> I think I knew I had it before. I think I knew I had it. Um about a year or so before. Okay. And did you know at that point that that causes some fertility issues? Nope. No. Okay. Will you explain actually what that is for me? I'm, I don't know. No problem. What is it? Oh my gosh. I'm not You're sure. You're going to make me Google it, aren't you? It's polycystic ovarian syndrome. Okay. And basically it's a condition related to hormones and it can cause things like infertility, weight gain, um, facial hair, emotional, like ups and downs, a bunch of different stuff it can cause. So the things I noticed first was because I'm, I don't know, self-conscious. I noticed the hair on my face. It was kind of growing in along my jawline a little bit. And I was like, that's not normal. (laughs) So I went to the doctor and 
And we're not talking like normal. I mean, everybody kind of has like the little peach fuzz. A little fuzz. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was more than that a little bit. And so, so I went to the doctor and they were like, oh yeah, do you have this? And here's some things you should do. And like diet plays a huge part in it. If I can eat less carbs and sugar, it's more manageable. Okay. And so you find this out and, Mm -hmm. and so, but you didn't know that that has anything to do with fertility at that point. No, I didn't at that point. Okay. When you went through, you said you went through four IUI treatments. Uh huh. That sounds like a roller coaster of its own. Oh, it was a bitch. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh about it, but it absolutely was because it was like you go in, you have the treatment during the middle of your cycle, and so you have to wait two weeks and find out if it was successful. And I started having, like, during a couple of them, I started having, like, pseudo-pregnancy symptoms. Yeah. And so I would get my hopes up, like, oh, man, this is it. I'm pregnant, and mm. I don't feel good, and just overanalyzing everything. And then my period would come, and it was just crushing because I wanted it so much. I get emotional talking about it sometimes. Uh, well, I mean, um, talk about an emotional roller coaster. I'm yeah. four times to go yeah. through that. think that, okay, this time. I hope this is it. I hope this is it. Yeah. Listen, this is why we appreciate you being on here. Let the emotion be there because it is. This isn't something to take lightly. This isn't something Wit and I take lightly, even though we don't personally understand it. And, you know, our other guests that we have on as well in this series, they all have their own different struggles. Uh So it's okay to, you know, that's what people need to hear. The real struggles. That's what we do here. It's the real shit and the real struggles that people don't talk about with it. So, right. We love and you. It was Thank so hard. Thank you. I think for me, the harder part was the jealousy of my girl's bio mom who could just get pregnant so easily, so, so easily. Yeah. And they felt like I would be a good mom. I would take care of my kids. And I just didn't get that opportunity. So you got sorry. it in a different way, but not the I way I did. And I feel so blessed for that. Oh, I'm so sure. I of course. I recognize that like having part time kids that I get to raise and have an influence over is amazing. Well, listen, you, she's such a sweetheart. We're looking at Sarah and she's got some tears streaming down her face. (laughs) You're helping a lot of women. We have a lot of women write in and uh, ask for this series and that's why we chose to do it. And, you know, women need to hear this and they're, and so you're helping a lot of people by even just showing that emotion and letting women know they're not alone out there. No, not at all. And don't you feel like, Sarah, there's just, it's like, yes, you're super blessed that you've got these beautiful stepchildren. But I mean, at the end of the day, let's be real. Like it is such a different dynamic and there's emotions, good and bad that come with that. And, uh-huh. you know, so it's okay to absolutely raise and not, feel, yeah. you know, anything negative about that. So, yeah. And I think if I can address the adoption component really quick, yeah. what I really, I wanted kids, but what I really wanted along with kids was the experience of being pregnant. And so for me, adoption wasn't an option I ever wanted, even though I know that there were kids out there because I wanted kids that were biologically mine yeah. and with my husband. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's, I can understand that completely. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, and even with that, I think there's so, it's hard, right? Because I, I think you, you get those two different dynamics where you have, you know, women that struggle and want that pregnancy so bad and maybe look at women that that are pregnant and complaining out there, right? Did you ever feel like, did you have those moments where you'd have either friends, family, whoever it was, complain about the pregnancy feelings and the exhaustion and the weight gain and the everything that comes with it that really isn't the most pleasant 
you know, situation. Did you ever have those real feelings of just like, shut the hell up? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because I'm like, I would kill to be in your shoes right now. I would kill to be complaining about how much my back hurts and how sick I am and everything like just to get through to have this experience and to have a child of my own. And, and I appreciate your honesty there because those are the things I get more intrigued by or having people talk about those real feelings, right? Because yeah. I think even as someone who has experienced pregnancy and what, I mean, you can maybe, you know, agree on this too. It, you don't realize that on our end of things, we don't realize that when it's like, Oh, I'm so over this. I'm over this. Yeah. I'll tell you what, having conversations like this, Sarah, open my eyes to the fact of really, man, if I could go back and maybe just stop in my tracks and realize that, you know, because <laughs> it isn't that you're not grateful. It isn't that I, I was not, not grateful. I right. think you have yeah. both sides of those well, scenarios. I, I think when you're going through it too, you're stuck in your own world. Yeah. Right. Um, on both ends, you know, you're just stuck in, mm -hmm. in your own world and you're not thinking about what other people are going through. You're thinking about your own struggles and, and how your back hurt and how your feet hurt and how, you, you know, like uh, how you've gained 30 pounds and, you know, like yeah. the yeah. stuff that you're, I mean, and, at the end of the day, it's, it's dumb, you know, it's all dumb stuff, but you're just not, you're just stuck in your own mind and your own little world. And you don't realize how everyone else is feeling about yeah. it. So I think sometimes I, I like to get those true emotions that are out there mm -hmm. because it's a real thing. Even if it, even if your circumstances like divorce, you know, and I remember going mm -hmm. through divorces and looking at all my stupid, happy friends out there, like good for you. Still married. You, uh -huh. I love, I hate everyone. And so it's the same thing, you know, it's, um, yeah. those are, those are real feelings. So thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. let's, so, so you did the four treatments. So once you were done with the four, you guys were like, Hey, this obviously isn't working. We needed to move on. Right. What What was that decision like? It was so hard. And I think there's one more part to the story that I haven't told you guys yet. That's kind of the end of my story. Okay. But it was so hard to move on because there was still that hope that like somehow magically it would just happen. Because you hear those stories, right? Right. And I have one of my best friends had it happen. She went through IVF, had six or eight viable embryos. All of them failed. She was doing an adoption that failed and then she got pregnant and you just hear these stories about like oh it just happens and she also had polycystic ovarian so um so it just it was so difficult because I don't feel like I ever truly moved on until last October when um I just was like I'm done I'm done having periods I'm 42 if I have a kid it's gonna be there's a really good chance it's going to be a kid with a disability. And by the time this kiddo graduates high school, I'm going to be 60. And there's, I don't know if I can take care of the child and I would love it, of course, and want to take care of it. But I just don't know, you know, what life is going to bring. And I don't want to, um, to make that decision knowing that. So I had an endometrial ablation done in October, six years since we stopped fertility treatments. So much grief. Just like the sobbing can't breathe kind of grief. Um, and I, I don't regret doing it. Um, but it did definitely say like, for sure, this is the end and we're done and it's not going to happen. So 
that's the last part of my story. It's not a happy part, but it's also is a happy part because every month when I'm like, yay, it's my time for my period. I don't have to have it. I don't, I don't do that anymore. Exactly. That was just this last October, so almost a uh -huh. year at this point. Yeah, it's been almost a year. And I, I feel like it's brought up more feelings in the last year about this than I had before. So while there was still hope and possibility before that, um, it, there wasn't after because they said you have to get your tubes tied with the ablation. If you get pregnant with an ablation gun, it could kill you. So you have to have permanent birth control. And so um, that permanent part just, I hate it. Yeah, that's. Yeah. We're so sorry, Sarah. Honestly, I, I can see how difficult this really yeah. is and in the emotion. Yeah. It's been a really emotional week, too. So I apologize. Oh, been a lot. Going back to school, there's just been a lot going on. So, uh, listen, I cry every day over something. So. <laughs> I know, right? Really, it's healthy. <laughs> I cry a lot, so I don't. Um, do you do you feel like um, having the ablation kind of gave you back some of that power of yeah of kind absolutely. of up and down roller coaster of like this just is what it is, and now yes, I mean because I, I, I know that hope can be great but it can also be sometimes damaging I think to a certain degree so yeah I mean I've known people in my life a, a scenario I'm thinking of specifically where um someone really close to me she she just chose like I can't do this anymore because the emotional is going to kill me the emotional right. poster is going to kill me so she may have been able to continue her journey and may have been able to have gotten pregnant but she just chose to stop because the emotion every single month of like, you know, yeah. not being pregnant. She said, if I do this any longer, like it's going to take me down. Uh huh. So I can relate to that. I feel like it, like when we stopped doing the IUIs and IVF wasn't an option anymore, then I kind of let it go. But doing this at the end, it just, I really let it go. It was like, okay, it's just not going to happen. And in a lot of ways, it's been extremely painful and, it's also been very freeing because they don't have to think about it every single month or deal with the emotions every month of like, Hey, my period's here again. I get to have that and get don't to get to have kids. Yeah. yeah. So it's been bitter and sweet. I am over here in tears. <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean to make you cry too. <laughs> no, I think because I, oh. honestly, I think it just brings up emotions where, Sometimes I just feel like shit because I get so frustrated with my own kids. Yeah. And I think hearing sweet stories like this just make me realize like the stuff I get frustrated about is so little, you know. It is, but also like one thing I was thinking about with my friend that I told you about just a second ago that had her baby. I need to learn the lessons that come from not having kids. And I feel like people who are able to have kids need to learn the lessons that come from having kids. And I don't look at it like a competition or like you're dumb or that's stupid. Why would you get mad about that? Cause I get mad that my stepdaughter made grilled cheese and the waffle iron didn't clean it out. You know? <laughs> so it's all, it's all what we need to learn. I really believe that, that whatever we have happened is like, what we need to become the best version of ourselves. And even though it sucks and it's so painful, the things that we can get through um, are so helpful. And we talked about this on our episode when we interviewed you too, um, that comparison 
sucks. Yeah. Comparing your life to somebody else's life and saying like, I'm a crappy person because I get mad at my kids about these things is as useful as, you know, me comparing to you and being like, I'm a crappy person because I can't have kids. It doesn't change either of our circumstances. So feel the emotion, like process it, understand it, and also be okay with it. Like, this is my life and I can be frustrated with my kids for doing stupid stuff. It's okay. See, this is like free therapy, Sarah. Like, you're over here helping me, like being a ball baby. Oh, thank you for saying that, honestly, because it, I know that's that's just the thing. Like that, we have these emotions flying around everywhere. Yeah. It's like if you have this, it's difficult, but then if you have that, you feel guilty, and you have that, it's difficult, you know. And and so I think just hearing you talk, I mean, we're sitting here, and I just like lost it. <laughs> you know, because that flooded in, and I just I, you're yeah. such a sweet person, and it's just it's hard even to hear your story and to feel those emotions with you, and um. You know, you're you're a strong woman for sure. Oh my God. Back at you. Thank you so much. I think we all are. We all are in our own way. We all deal with our own crap. And we're amazing. And we don't give ourselves enough credit for that. Yeah, yeah. that is true. <laughs> yeah. Do you have maybe any advice for anyone that's in maybe the same circumstance where they're just can't get pregnant or they're, it's just not going to happen for them? Um, so something I never did was join a support group. And I think going back, I would do that because I felt like, like I just should on myself a lot. I should be able to handle this. I should deal with this. I know, you know, what to do. I, or I just stuff it down. But like talking to other women who understand, I think, is extremely helpful. I agree. And that would be my advice. Like go find us an infertility support group online, in person, wherever you can find one that helps you. I love that. I do too. Yeah, Seriously. Too. I think it, honestly, if you're struggling with anything, uh-huh. um, yeah. I want to ask you, Sarah, for people out there maybe wondering, what about your husband's um, view <laughs> on all of that? He went through the emotion with me. It was not as intense for him. Um, he is a little bit different than me. So I kind of have like, I, I want to say this nice day. <laughs> I love I love a lot of people's kids. My husband does not. He loves his kids. Um, but he, I think that's normal for a lot of people. Like you I love your own too. kids and you don't care yeah. for other people's. Yeah. Like, eh. yeah. <laughs> and when we're grocery shopping and he hears another child crying in the store, his two favorite words are not mine. So I think it was, <laughs> it was easier on him than it was on me. I went through it with him, my emotion and that kind of hard on him um I think it was a little bit easier on him because he already had kids also and he also wasn't like the you know female like you grew up and have kids thing he was the male like you get out and have a job and that's how you define yourself and so for him he had like his job and his kids and and his life isn't perfect and hasn't been obviously he's divorced but um that still had to have been so hard for him to watch you go through that though yeah i think so let's talk about the dynamic of um did you ever have feelings of jealousy for anyone out there that maybe is in your situation did you ever have feelings of jealousy that those were his kids but not your kids together did you have those and i'm coming from a step situation Mm -hmm. something that's very common in this even just the blended or step situation when people don't have their own kids together but are the step parent did you get a lot of those emotions of 
did you, did you struggle with that at all? Feeling like, well, these are his kids. They're not ours together. I mean, were those hard emotions for you? Yeah. And I see that a lot in the step parenting communities too. My struggle was just a tiny bit different. It wasn't like he had kids with her and he doesn't have kids with me. It was more that we're not going to have our own kids together. Okay. And so I didn't have a lot of the jealousy like she had an experience with him that I didn't have. Because like you said, in the end, I win. I get him, you know? Yeah. Right. And I, like, good. I'm good <laughs> with that. Um, and they didn't have the experience of raising kids together, so I'm good with that too. Um, I do wish that I'd been able to go through pregnancy with him and like have, you know, a kid with his eyes and my dark hair and that kind of thing. Um, but I don't feel jealous of her for having that experience with him. But I know that's common. Yeah, no, then, and that's exactly why I wanted to ask you. So that really is one of the things that a lot of people uh, kind of feel um, in those situations. So I was curious about that. But I mean, it sounds like you have been an incredible stepmom to these girls. They're lucky to have you. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. <laughs> Even that in itself, a lot of people struggle just being a step parent. And mm-hmm. you know, for me, out of wit and I, I'm the step mom situation. Right. And it and it it wasn't difficult for me to be a stepmom because I I already was used to being a mom. So mm-hmm. I think with your dynamic of coming in even before you, you know, knew that you weren't going to have your own children is such a big step. You know, so props to you for doing that and then not having those, you know, feelings because those are the feelings that can get in the way for people. Mm-hmm. And that's why I asked about the reality of that because the jealousies, the those are the things that really break the step families. I mean, you know this. This is your yes. This is your your uh, <laughs> this is your thing. This, this, is, <laughs> this is your area. Yeah. Uh, and so anyway, yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's I was curious about that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I know I have done my best in the moments as, that I have as a stepmom and it hasn't always been great. So I will say that, that my girls, my 18-year-old might tell you that I'm not always an incredible stepmom or even a good one, but that's normal for a kid. So that's I'm okay with that. For any kind of parent, anyone in a parent uh-huh. role. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Everyone does something they wish they hadn't. And you're not always going to be a friend. So that's right. Yeah, that's just part of it. I think so. my kids hate me sometimes, honestly. I know. <laughs> I, I know they love me somewhere deep down right. inside of it. <laughs> Well, Sarah, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. You have a dynamic that our other guests um, don't don't have, and so we really appreciate it. Thanks for is there any... Brittany cry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That was my cry for the day. Um, is there anything else, Sarah, you would like to add for the listeners out there? I don't think so. I just think that, like, the getting support piece is so huge. So, um if you are not a step parent, but you want to talk to me about infertility, feel free to reach out. Perfect. Tell everyone again, Sarah, where they can find you. So find me on Facebook. It's Sarah, S-A-R-A. My last name is S-U-S-O-V, like Victor. Stepping Forward Podcast and Step Up Mentoring Coaching. So thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your your night. It's good to have you. You too. Thank you girls so much. 
Hey guys, Britton Witt here. So we are just ending for now our series on infertility and we just wrapped up our final episode with Sarah and Witt and I just want to come to you personally at the end and give some statistics on infertility out there because we really want people to know that you are not alone. And this is a really difficult, you know, topic to discuss and a lot of emotions go into it. So I'm going to hand it over to Witt and she's got some statistics that we want to go over with you guys. Okay, so these statistics come from redbookmag.com. And it just says like the number of eggs at our first menstrual cycle is between 300,000 and 400,000. And then between the age of 30, they or I'm sorry, around the age of 30, they go down between 39,000 and 52,000. So that's a huge drop. And then by age 40, they drop between 1200 and 9000. But one of the things in here says that the majority of IVF cycles um, performed around the world fail. So it's 77% of those fail, um, which is a huge number. And then the miscarriage rate between 25, the age of 25 and 30 is 25%. And then for over 40 year olds, it's 40%. So that goes way up as well. Um, only 15 states here in America actually have mandated insurance coverage for some level of infertility treatment, which is just crazy to think about. Infertility is so, so expensive and more insurance. It it needs to be mandatory. Um, so if, if you guys feel passionate enough, please, uh, write your, write a letter to your legislature and let it, let them know how you feel about that, because that's the only way that things like this are going to change. Um, and then the last one I just wanted to read is that 61% of people who were going through infertility treatments hid their struggles from family and friends. So that's a very high number as well. So just remember to always be sensitive to those who are around, um, cause you don't know what people are going through. Um, and if 61% of people are hiding the fact that they're struggling, getting pregnant, that's that's major. So, um, we just wanted to quickly share, um, some of those statistics with you guys, um, just so you know, kind of what's going on, uh, with infertility and how many people are actually struggling. So, um, thank you guys for listening to our little series on infertility until next time. Let's keep it real.